usually as an early therapist, I wanted to fix it right away. I wanted to fix their pain. I wanted to fix their grief. I wanted to fix their loss. And you saw me as this new therapist, like as soon as they come in and be sitting in this pain, I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's this worksheet and let's do CBT and let's, uh, and just wanting to like throw all these solutions at them. When instead what I learned and what I now do is actually kind of the best thing to do is to sit with them in this grief or sit with them in this discomfort label it and feel it. And that's really the best way to be able to move through it is if we first just go, this is, this is what we're feeling. This is what's happening. This is what's coming up. What is it saying? What is it telling you? What story is this creating for you? Wow. That's really interesting. Why do you think it's telling you that? And then through that process, you, you kind of are able to speak to what's really happening versus the thing we all do where we're like, okay, let's put a Band-Aid on this so we don't see this anymore because this is uncomfortable. Welcome to our weekly socially distanced podcast where an aspiring actor and screenwriter check in and learn how former guests are hustling from home. We discuss the current U.S. election and the most important issues of 2020. This is a Hollywood Hustle podcast. Quarantine edition. Welcome to episode 101 of the Hollywood Hustle podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am your co-host, Michael Lutheran, and today we will be bringing you our final guest interview of this year's quarantine mini-season. In our previous episode, we caught up with former guest Greg Crafts. He is a L.A. theater director, an actor, a playwright, a hustler of many things, to talk about his own mental health journey through this year. Well, in today's episode, we're keeping up with the hashtag mental health hustle as you'll get to meet Katie Miles. Katie is a licensed marriage and family therapist who offers individual, couples, and family therapy. And she is the co-founder of Habit Better, the website and app that is designed to build life-changing habits. Now, longtime listeners of Hollywood Hustle have heard Daniel and I talk a lot about the power of creating positive and healthy habits and how they are foundational to developing long-term and sustainable success in whatever your Hollywood Hustle is about. But before we dive into the power of habits, Katie helps Daniel and I unpack this year that has been 2020, a year that could be summed up in one word, loss. No matter where you may be listening to us from, we've all been through an extremely difficult year. At the time of this recording, over 283,000 people have died from the coronavirus in the United States. And worldwide, we have lost a staggering 1.5 million people. Locally in Los Angeles on Sunday, December 8th, we had over 10,000 new cases of COVID-19 confirmed, the highest number of cases since the beginning of the pandemic. Many of you listening haven't been able to see your closest friends or family as you've made the sacrifice of not seeing those that you love to ensure that they're safe. Perhaps you're one of the many thousands of people who have lost their financial security due to the sheer loss of jobs in this country. And for many, the loss of that financial support means a loss of purpose. Our League of Hustle is comprised of artists and entrepreneurs, actors, singers, songwriters, screenwriters, cinematographers, magicians, producers, casting associates, musicians, business owners. So many of you have been unable to participate in your passion and talent for almost a year, and that is really, really difficult. 
And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, Daniel and I and all of us here at Team Hustle, we hear you, we support you, and we value you. So grab your journal or open up your phone's notes app because Katie is going to be sharing with you some incredible, actionable information. From happy failures to tips for maintaining a healthy hustle to building better habits, Katie Miles shares it all with us in episode 101. But before we dive in, I want to encourage you guys to stick around after the interview for my quick outro in which I share my thoughts about this interview, as well as share a really funny and really fun behind-the-scenes audio clip. All right, now let's get to our conversation with me, Daniel Tuttle, and Katie Miles. Let the hustle begin. Katie is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She attended one of the top 10 medical centers in the U.S. and now has her own private practice where she works with individuals, couples, and families to heal and strengthen relationships. She has specific training in helping clients build and maintain healthy relationship skills, conflict management, life cycle transitions, and anxiety. She also co-founded Habit Better to make these tools for growth accessible to all who want it. But um, my, my eyes are wide, I'm smiling, <laughs> and I am upright. I am smiling, I'm slightly turning red because I feel uncomfortable <laughs> with other people, you know, talking about my, my bio and my accolades and all that, but here I am. There you go. Can I just real quick, I just want to ask, you, what, what do you, how do you define life cycle transitions? That's actually a really good question. So a life cycle transition can be any kind of significant change that happens in your life. So there are really common ones, right? Like I, you know, graduate high school and go to college or I get married. I have kids. I lose a job. I lose a family member. It's anything that causes a significant shift in the way kind of your world operated. You know, it's funny because that's something that, you know, we, we actually have a pretty much almost a whole episode on is transitioning. and. We had a guest on who's a good friend of ours who actually hosted his own podcast for several years named Trevor Algott. And his whole episode was kind of about being in a transition between he left the podcast that he was doing and was kind of trying to discover his next step in life. And he was actually at the time kind of retiring from acting as well for a little bit and really just trying to find his place. And so uh, when I asked him to come on, he goes, I don't know what I'm going to talk about because I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of something. And I was like, that's what we'll talk about. Like, that's a great place that's something we haven't had where somebody just doesn't know where they're going and we actually had someone who uh emailed us one time and was like you know i'm listening to that episode while i'm in my car moving from new york to california and like literally physically in the middle of america changing their life completely to pursue something and it was just just hearing that and just like when you those small moments when you just like holy crap, like somebody listens to this and can understand and empathize and connect with it is just incredible I think that's beautiful because we often, you know, we think people want to hear the stories where we've come to the other side and we've made it, you know, or we, we found the answer or we found success. Um, and that's awesome. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that, but it's not as relatable. And I think more than anything, we all need some kind of like normalizing, right? Because what can actually happen when we're listening to those success stories is we go, oh crap, I'm doing it wrong. Like, what am I missing? You know, they've made it. Why, why am I in the middle of America, like changing my life, um, driving from one place to the other? And I have no idea what I'm doing. So I, that's a brilliant podcast episode. I can't wait to hear that one. 
Yeah, it was. It was. We. I was really proud of that one. Michael and I have always kind of shared that one with people because I know that was definitely one of our favorites. Uh, he, he. I mean, that guy's certainly one of my personal heroes. You know, I listened to his podcast for so long, and it was a good reminder of like what we feel like this show is all about. It is for those in between times before the big break happens. It's you know about celebrating the the wins and. Uh, you know, we had a discussion on failure and what that really is. It's just a way to find out that something didn't work. That's a success. Before we get into like the craziness, though, of 2020, what was your path like going into therapy? What was the thing that brought you to that field? Oh, it was a happy failure, actually. Um, I was a theater major and Daniel and I have talked about this extensively outside of this podcast. We're both really like jazzy. And I, you know, my whole life I had this idea. I was going to be an actress. That was it. Um, I didn't explore any other paths. I, you know, I even, I didn't even take high school very seriously because I was like, I don't need to know math. I'm going into Hollywood. Um, And, you know, eventually I ended up um, miraculously getting into UT after not, you know, trying that hard in high school. Um, Of course, I had to go to community college first to kind of get my GPA up and got to um, UT Austin. And for those that don't know, that's University of Texas. How, who doesn't know about UT? I assumed as somebody who went to UT, everyone wants to go to UT. <laughs> that means you know Matthew McConaughey, right? Like personally know Matthew McConaughey. Everybody that goes to UT knows Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, we actually have a Zoom happy hour um, later today <laughs> where we're going to uh, talk, catch Play up. checkers. Um, yeah. Talk exactly. about Lincolns and all yeah. that good stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's going to be great. Um, so I, you know, did the whole theater major thing, loved it, even did an internship in LA through UT where I, you know, um, worked at a, um, a agency and a production company and did all that stuff. Then ended up moving back to Austin and trying out the whole acting thing for real, right? In this career style and going to auditions and not getting paid and trying to get paid. And I had such an internal conflict. In fact, I had, I ended up having um, <laughs> a, my first panic attack in the middle of a shift at a Mexican restaurant where I was a server. And luckily, I had had a therapist, um, a, a kind of our family therapist, since I was about you know twelve or thirteen years old. And I'm I was so lucky enough to be able to keep him on, so he knew me really well. Um, and we kind of <laughs> labeled it as my quarter life crisis where I started to realize um, while I really love acting and it brings me so much joy and theater and everything, um, it was not in alignment with my values as far as a career. And I was not enjoying it anymore. So we had to like do this rumble where I tried to figure out, well, what do I want to do with my life now? And he just happened to like drop a seed. And he was like, you know, you'd probably be a really great therapist. And I never thought of that. And so I was deciding whether I wanted to go to to grad school for journalism or grad school to be a therapist. And really just I broke it down and the seeds of enjoyment that I had in theater were very similar to um, kind of the foundation of being a therapist. I mean, it's a study of human behavior. It's putting together the puzzle pieces as to like why somebody is behaving a certain way or why they're doing that thing. And, you know, kind of like they're their motivations and their history and their trauma and all that stuff. And I, I kind of, I'll be honest, I chose therapy, not because I was like, yes, this is definitely what I want to do. But I was like, somebody told me I'd probably be a good therapist. So that seems like a safe bet. (laughs) So 
<laughs> I'll probably, I, I might be good at this. So that'll feel good. Luckily, I love it. And I ended up going to grad school. And now I've been, you know, working as seeing clients for four years now, opened my private practice. And I, you know, it's, it's been a fantastic journey and unexpected one. And it's really enjoyable. And guess what I do, you know, I, before the pandemic did improv on the side and that filled that bucket. And so I kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, I, I don't know if I said your, her name is Katie Miles, by the way. So if anyone wants to look her up and check out her practice and things like that, her last name is Miles. We said Katie, but just to so get the full name in there. Are there um, other Katie's out there in the world? I thought it was the only one. No, you're uh, the only one. Okay. I think I'm you're the, the only, only K-A-T-I-E though. Yeah, yeah, there we right? go. Yes, there I'm, the I only, am. I'm, I'm the only Daniel and Michael's the only Michael. Yeah, we're very Clearly. <laughs> literally, literally, I know eight other Michaels that are like good friends of mine. Um that's so that's fascinating. You know, I think one of the most important things that we talk about on the show is being self-aware of your own feelings towards what you're doing and not fighting those feelings for out of pride or out of ego. And, you know, we've talked to a few people who started one place and ended up somewhere they never thought they would be. It's so important to know and like we talked a minute ago about that, that saying I need to, th this is not working. Let me find a new path is not a bad thing. It's not this failure and, you know, failure is such a big word when you he hear it, you know, people are so scared to be a failure or something to look at them as a failure. I have that. I get worried so many, especially right now of like moving back to Texas and people in that fear of like people looking at you, like told you told you, you know what I mean? This that like, it is, you know, you tried like just that, like, you know, bless your heart, like that kind of thing. Like it just, that's there, but it's also, you know, figuring out that this isn't working and being okay with trying something new that you think that you maybe aligns with your values. Like you said, that, that will find more fulfillment because it will fill those buckets of values that you have, you know? Also, one of the important things that you said was that you still act, you, you found ways to do improvisation. And I think it's so important for people to know that, just because you're maybe not going down this highway, that doesn't mean that you can't still navigate and still do that. I think, especially actors, right? We get stuck into the idea that the only way to be an actor is in a Marvel movie or being on Broadway. Meanwhile, there's actors doing plenty of other smaller things, and it, but they're still exercising their passion. When someone is at that crossroads, though, if, they're, if they feel like they've reached their wit's end of, you know, I've dedicated my whole life to something like this, but I'm in this transition moment. What, how do you guide those conversations from a therapy standpoint to make sure that that person feels like they're not throwing everything away and feeling like a quote unquote failure? Right. That's a great question. You know, I, I always start with values clarification and, and Daniel has, has learned a little bit about this in our conversations. Um, our values are, monumental to being able to make those hard decisions when we hit those crossroads. Um, values are kind of like your life compass, right? They direct you as to how you want to be in the world, what you want to stand for. Um, they're ongoing qualities of action that we have. And what I find happens most often is that individuals 
as a whole don't have a clear idea of what their values really are. So what they're doing is they, they maybe had kind of like me had an idea when they were younger and they were in a certain space in their life and they kept going with it and they didn't ever check back in and go, is this what I really want still? Or am I just kind of following this compass that, you know, I found when I was eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old. So we'll do a little bit of values clarification to see like, does which path really gives you um, these global qualities that you actually desire, right? Do you, do you value creativity and and excitement and fun? Or do you really value um, at this point in your life, um, financial stability, liberty or flexibility? And which one of these paths gives you that more readily, right? And then another thing I do, you know, and this, this is kind of speaks to how it can be different for each person, We spend a lot of time sitting with the emotions that they are feeling and what those emotions are telling them. Um, Because there's a difference between not doing something because you're scared of what might happen and not doing something because it just doesn't fulfill you or doesn't give you what the kind of life you want. And I think that's a really critical thing to hone into. Um, because if you if you don't do something just because you're scared, that might pop up as regret later on in life. Um, versus if you if you don't do something because it doesn't align with you, you'll feel peace. You'll feel good about what you did. We're already like 15 minutes in. I'm getting emotional over here. Mm-hmm. What is happening to me during this? <laughs> like first episode, I bawled like a baby, and it's uh, not. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It was very cathartic, and it was it had a good reason for it. But man, that's fantastic. That's such. It's it's. I think the reason I'm emotional is because I just want people to be happy, and I want people to love what they're doing. And I think when you see people struggling with this idea of what they want, and you know, and hating what they're doing. You're just like, I just, I want you to like, how can I help you get through that and find something that will fulfill you? That is meaningful for you. And and when you see someone constantly like just angry and upset at this current state and still like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's like, I want you to succeed. I'm not saying I don't want you to, but I also hate seeing you like this where you're just constantly upset. I think you spoke like a relationship. To- It is right. And you spoke to it really well earlier when you were talking about um, us being focused on what kind of other people are going to think about us, right? And labeling something as a failure versus labeling something as, you know, changing your mind or learning something new about yourself and following that. Um, You know, it's, we all care what other people think. I know there's this kind of uh, really buzzy thing going on uh, drives me crazy where it's like, oh, don't care what other people think. Like, oh, you know, if you care what other people think too much, you know, you're, you're weak or you're this. Um, and yes, you don't want to shape your life based off of what other people might think or what other people um, would approve of. But at the same time, you know, caring what other people think is a relational skill. If we didn't care what other people think, like there goes empathy, there goes connecting with other people, right? So I think we need to honor that. Like, yeah, I care what other people think about me. Yeah, I want other people to be proud of me. Yeah, I want, you know, my dad to see me stick something through. But also recognizing that you know, we can care what other people think and it shouldn't shape our decisions. And we can, we can sit in the discomfort of doing something different. Mm, wow. We always talk about, um, you know, what is success? What is that? What is what does that mean? And 
you know, I think that's something that I think kind of goes into it when you were talking about, you know, looking at your values and, and when you were, especially when, even when you were talking about acting and like how you were still doing improv and, and you went to this, it's like, you know, success doesn't have to be fame. It doesn't have to be Marvel film. It can just be, I'm doing it. Like I am auditioning. I am getting some certain small, small roles, big roles, independent roles, feature role, whatever. Like you're just, the fact that you are out here pursuing whatever it is you're pursuing is successful. And the success, my success is I'm going there and I'm still putting that a part of my life. I'm being successful at keeping that in my life. And then I'm working on success in this new venture I'm going on or this, this new career I'm looking towards. Uh, you know, I wanted to be an actor. That was what I wanted to be since I was a kid and I did it in high school and, and, and college. And now I don't really do it anymore. I write more than anything and I do podcasting and who, you know, you can't see point B from point A sometimes. And you kind of have to let, let the ride take you where it goes and just be open and, and accepting to it. And so it's hard. It's not easy. It sucks. It sucks. It's so hard to get, to let go of certain things, but it's, it's, it, you're in the end for, you know, it's again, like relationships, you know, breaking up with that, that dude is going to, or that girl is going to be so much more better for you than how you feel when you're with them. Absolutely. You said yeah. it perfectly right there. It's yeah. a lot, right? We, we can still honor it as a, a little bit of a loss of what we thought we were going to be or what we thought this was going to look like. And that doesn't mean it's, you know, the end of the world. It also doesn't mean that this, you know, you're going to be unhappy. I'm super fulfilled doing what I'm doing. And whenever I feel that itch or it's like, Ooh, like there's that, you know, theater or acting side of me, I can get, fill that bucket in other ways. And it feels just as fulfilling. Hey, Michael. Um, so Katie, Michael, uh, a, a while ago, um, he's never talked about this on the podcast. Oh God! He, no, oh, he had no, that no, he conversation. Had, no, no, he yeah, no, he has. I'm being very sarcastic. He has talked about this in the podcast. But um, Michael had an incident. Uh, man, was it three years ago when you when you were on the side of the road? Was that about three years yeah. ago? Yeah. So I. Uh, to make a long story short, listeners, if you're interested, you can listen to season one when it happened. But I was in an instance where was it season one? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I I was working a full time job for internal medicine as a doctor's assistant. I was also fully involved with a uh, studying Meisner at a studio that was like almost half of what I paid for rent every month. And so, on top of having this full time job, I was driving uh, for Uber at the time. And so there was one day where and doing the podcast. And doing the podcast. And so there's one day though where I could have attend a master class session of just watching actors work with the head of the studio and I went and worked that event. I didn't eat. Barely had any water, just coffee, coffee, coffee. Then I went and, you know, drove Uber for 3 hours and then I had a late night rehearsal and then I drove Uber again, coffee, coffee, coffee. Needless to say, uh it's 2 a.m. It's 90 degrees at two o'clock in the morning and uh, I'm starting to feel depleted of energy, get out of my car and I fall in the middle of the road and fractured my head. Um, it oh, was my gosh. Yeah, it was uh, so many things happen. It was very traumatic. And, you know, the months thereafter working with like a chiro chiropractor, like trying to get like my body reconnected back with 
what's going on up here and stuff. But even in the months following, just going through big doubt uh, bouts of depression and, you know, I would get these random little uh, uh, referral pain headaches, um, you know, which is just what happens sometimes when you experience a big injury. Like everything's fine, but I still just randomly get shots of pain and big bouts of depression. It something that I never used to experience until after that. And I think part of that is also because it shook my confidence in myself that how could I push myself to an unhealthy point to where I'm literally driving myself into the ground. Wow. So, and but, you know, I got connected with therapy um, beginning of last year, and that really started being the journey of like getting back on track and still working on it. I'm also now seeing a hypnotherapist as well, which has has been really fun during these uh, virtual sessions of like, how do you get someone to meditate and guide someone's meditation while also being a part and things. And and for her, like she picks up a, a lot on social cues. You know, that's a particular instance where it was almost like an injury that kind of initiated this feeling of depression. And for people out there who go through something similar, what what is your treatment, I guess, uh, for navigating that recovery? Wow, that's a deep one. You know, I spent Sometime when I, I used to work for, well, the, the medical center that I worked for was UCSD and I worked with their outpatient and we, I, I, this was one of my favorite times there. I got to pair up with uh, Naval Medical Center in San Diego and got to work with a lot of the active duty um, uh, individuals, both, you know, in the Navy and the Army and the Marines and all that. And shout out to our soldiers. What's up? <laughs> yeah, no, they were lovely, lovely people. And so you see, uh, you, you see a lot of injuries, right? A lot of them coming in, um, a lot of traumatic brain injuries, um, you know, other injuries, um, soul injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can think of like, kind of like in your experience, it's almost like we have this image of you, the hitting your head, right? Was kind of like the, the, the crack of something. Yeah. Literally and literally <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> and spiritually <laughs> and spiritually, um, you know, it, it was, it's almost like the, the, the beginning of a chapter mm-hmm. and in that it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds like you, this gave you a, a space of time to really sit with everything that was going on internally. Oh yeah. Right. And I, I saw that happen a lot with um, the active duty members because they're, you know, they're constantly just following orders and they keep them so busy and they're just go, 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 go. And they would have these injuries and it was in the having to sit still um, that all this other kind of psychological pain would come up. And, you know, it was almost like the two things colliding, right? You can feel really, um, upset or anxious or depressed about the physical injury in itself. Cause that's traumatic to have a part of you get hurt so badly that you either can't use it anymore, or it's causing chronic pain or it's causing headaches or, you know, shifting the, the world as you knew it. So that's its own kind of cloud that comes over and then having to sit with it and not be able to really do the things that we usually do to cope right? Mm-hmm. Like distract ourselves or, you know, um, engage, you know, in, in maybe in other things like um, 
alcohol or drugs or whatnot. I mean, I guess you still could, but usually it, it didn't mix well with the doctor's prescriptions of <laughs> needing yeah, to heal. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, not, not, you know, recommended. A lot, the first thing I would do, and I'll tell you, I didn't do this as an early therapist. Usually as an early therapist, I wanted to fix it right away. I wanted to fix their pain. I wanted to fix their grief. I wanted to fix their loss. And you saw me as this new therapist, like as soon as they come in and be sitting in this pain, I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's this worksheet and let's do CBT and let's, uh, and just wanting to like throw all these solutions at them. When instead what I learned and what I now do is actually kind of the best thing to do is to sit with them in this grief or sit with them in this discomfort label it and feel it. And that's really the best way to be able to move through it is if we first just go, this is, this is what we're feeling. This is what's happening. This is what's coming up. What is it saying? What is it telling you? What story is this creating for you? Wow. That's really interesting. Why do you think it's telling you that? And then through that process, you, you kind of are able to speak to what's really happening versus this thing we all do where we're like, okay, let's put a bandaid on this so we don't see this anymore because this is uncomfortable. Yeah, the uh, avoidance yeah. solution is really not I, a solution. No, you know, no I not at all. I, I didn't preface Michael about that, and I apologize, Michael, I should have asked <laughs> about bringing that up, but you've brought it up before, so I thought it would be a, a little okay to talk about. No, it's it's like I haven't thought about that in quite some time, and it's kind of just like you bringing it up. It, I feel there's been some sense, but like there's been some sense of like healing there. Cause before when I used to talk about it, I would feel that kind of like tightness in my chest. But now, now that there's been some distance and some work done on my end, I'm more at peace with it. Cause I know why it, that happened. Well, I, I will say if just uh, knowing Michael, you know, before then and since then, one of the things I've noticed that he's done since that moment is really actively taken more time for himself. Um, he's really worked on shutting off his phone at a certain time. And, you know, uh, much <laughs> to my frustration, cause I'm not that person <laughs> not texting me at 11 o'clock at night when I text them, which I understand it's totally fine, but it, that's my, that's my own thing I got to work on. But um, he's been really good about, you know, getting away with his, his now wife a little more and um, you know, and I think a little more, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but a little more in uh, uh, under, not understanding that's not the word I'm like, but intact with like your body and your emotion and like where you are stress wise. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. you, you're able to, you, you, at least verbally to me reference when you're stressed more now and are more open to talking about it and be like, Hey, I just need like a day or I just need like two days. You're not as, yeah, I can get that done and get that. You're very open to telling me, Hey, I just need, I can't do this today. I, I just worked a 60 hour work week and I'm really tired. And, uh, I just need, I, I want to go home and just watch a movie. And like, yeah. And I think that's such a great result, even though, I mean, what a, I mean, a horrible thing that happened, but like, I think you gained a lot out of it. And I think you're, emotionally and, and uh, mentally healthier because of the result of that. Yeah. I mean, it was a big check of like, Hey, you need to value rest for, for me. That was just like the biggest uh, takeaway was that I am pushing myself to the point where I physically can't 
continue like this anymore. So I need to recognize when I've hit a certain limit and take the time to rest, whether that be with sleep or uh, spending time with my wife or what you were talking about, Katie, like reevaluating your values, like what is important to you. And so even working on my end in the medical field, there's so many times where it's like, yeah, I want to act and I want to do other things. But right now I'm just tired. <laughs> like I, I just need to take a, a little break and kind of like acknowledging that of like, okay, I'm going to take, I'm not going to think about acting or anything like this for a couple days. Kind of gives me that recharge while I'm still working, <laughs> you know, but to be able to come back and uh, not to say tackle, that's the wrong word, but to, to approach uh, whatever needs to get done again and, uh, you know, feel happy about it. It sounds like, you know, um, it's like you learn to prioritize your values, which is a really important skill, right? You can value, you know, whatever it is you get out of your work, like the ongoing qualities of action that you get out of that. And you, through this, this kind of experience where you totally did run yourself to the ground working, it's introduced a new value for you, like self-nurture. But, you know, Mike, Michael, you're, you're doing this thing where you're, you're prioritizing, you're going, well, I like, yes, I, I value this, but right now I need to value this. And that's a great lesson. And a thing that a lot of us have a hard time doing. These are also things though, hopefully that listeners can apply this year in a year where we're all navigating this extreme sense of loss of, of purpose, so many artists and entrepreneurs out there. There are so many things going on at the end of 2019, so many positive things. And now, you know, through no fault of their own, things have just had to fall by the wayside. This really just feels like a year of loss, like just a loss of normalcy, jobs, lives, a loss. Of, like Michael said, I think that's another one, a big one, loss of purpose. And and when I started thinking about it, I was like, man, that is so, like, even now it's like, it's so heavy. Like it's such a heavy thing to think about and just like, and I, and I, you know, Michael knows, you know, Katie and I are, we, we, we work in this group of empaths and, and that and entrepreneurs and especially I'm sure why Katie is works so well as a therapist is that idea of understanding and feeling other people's uh, pain and, and struggles. And, you know, when I think about it, like, and you just, you feel that weight, you feel that that pain that I think a lot of people have felt this year, you know, 218,000 people have lost their lives to COVID, uh, uh, whether directly or indirectly at, by April, the unemployment was at 14.7% in America. Uh, net right now, according to stats, I looked up, it's about 7.9% due to places opening up and them finding ways to do restaurants safely and other things. But, even then money was lost so much stuff that happened. And, you know, I just wanted, I wanted Katie to come on and I'm so glad that she's here. Just kind of talk about, you know, how can one kind of move through this year and hopefully come out next year better question mark, you know, like, you know, how can they come out in some sort of healthy way? You know, this is, it's a big question, but it's also an important one. And I'll start by talking about grief and loss in general. You're talking about, and what, what we're experiencing is kind of two things happening at the same time. We have our individual grief and loss, right? Like losing a job, um, losing, you know, a, 
our, our, our loved ones, um, losing different freedoms or autonomies. And then we also have collective grief and loss going on. And this is something we're all experiencing at the exact same time. And it could be boiled down to us, the, the loss of the world as we knew it, right? We, things aren't the same. And that is really heavy. And the thing about grief and loss is that it's messy. And I was actually just relatively recently listening to um, a podcast with David Kessler. If you haven't read his books, they're amazing. He, he's kind of an expert on grief and loss. Anyways, he, he was kind of talking about everyone wants to find a linear path for loss and grief. How do I fix this? Right. And, um, we, we kind of maybe look at the five stages and we go, okay, like, so I got, I just got moved through these stages and then, then it's done, then it's complete. But unfortunately it it doesn't work like that. It's not linear and there is no right way to do it, frankly, moving through grief and loss. However, you know, that doesn't mean we're doomed and there's nothing that we can do. But I think the first thing we need to do is, is normalize that, that it's, it is messy and that it's not going to, we're not going to move through it in this sequential way or in the same way as somebody else and that you're not doing it wrong, but you do need to feel it kind of like what we were talking about earlier with kind of sitting in it. Um, People who try to bypass pain, they're going to be in it a lot longer than people who just sit with it and label it for what it is. It is loss. It's grief. Yeah. I think that the idea of acknowledging its effect on you and acknowledging that you feel this way and, and, and letting it happen. Cause I think, you know, people just damn it up and let it just sit there and it's like, it'll never pass through if you don't let it if you just keep it built up. I saw this and I thought it was interesting. And if you can explain kind of the difference between maybe grief and depression, because I know they can be very similar in feeling and kind of your reaction to it. And if you can get it, how can someone differentiate the two of which one they're feeling at that time? If you know, possible. It, it is. I don't know that I'll have the perfect answer for it, but I'm going to give you some kind of answer. Um, <laughs> so actually in, so there's this, this big old boring book called the DSM. It's like the diagnostic something, something manual um, that we all have to learn. And it's basically, you know, the, all the like boxes for what categorizes something as like this, this um, diagnosis versus this diagnosis. So what makes generalized, generalized anxiety disorder different from panic disorder. I think relatively recently, they actually ended up creating the uh, its own separate diagnosis for grief or bereavement versus depression. And if I'm recalling correctly, grief and depression, I know this, they present very similarly. They, you know, you, you have loss of energy, you have sadness, you have hopelessness, trouble sleeping, all, all these kind of things that typically happen are similar, but with depression, depression can happen, you know, without some kind of external trigger, right? It can just, it can occur because of your, your biology or your genetic makeup or, you know, the hormones, there's actually a ton of debate about actually what causes depression. Whereas, you know, grief is usually it's caused for, because of some kind of loss, some kind of pain that you've experienced outside of there and grief. It's not like a a cutoff, like it, okay. Like grief only lasts for this long and then it ends. 
Um, but there's the idea that grief, you can, you can move through grief, whereas depression um, can come and go, right, without any kind of like clear reason why. I, I, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people are dealing with and, and something that I, you know, dealt with is how do you, especially if like, let's say, you know, with depression and even a little bit of grief, how does one push, like, I know we talked about push through the like healthy new year, but how does one continue their daily life while they're dealing with this? Like, you know, obviously there's so much news coming out. We have the political stress and political environment we're in where it is just anxiety they're in and constant. Yeah. How, how do you move through to where you can continue your day to day and hopefully through that, you know, build yourself better. I mean, obviously, you know, habit better talks about building routines and things like that. Is that something that would be important through that? I mean, yeah, uh, you know, even with depression, um, if I, you know, one of the interventions for depression is to kind of, it's called behavioral activation, right? When you are depressed, the last thing you feel like doing is like getting out of bed and doing things. Um, so it's the behavioral activation is do it anyways, right? Even if it's something small, um, get up out of bed, um, take a shower, um, do the thing that you might normally do. And while it, at first it might feel like forced or fakey or inauthentic or blah, the idea is the moving of your body and the doing the things can trigger, um, you know, it kind of pull you out of it, so to speak, not completely, but it, it's more helpful than just doing nothing and laying in bed. Um, and then in this particular scenario, kind of like what we're all going through with the, kind of the, the individual loss and the, the, the collective grief, um, because I, I have a lot of clients that are, are dealing with this currently. I myself saw, you know, my own therapist recently and was telling him about all the kind of like anxiety I was feeling. And then the irritability that comes out of that. And that happens with, with grief and depression too. You feel really irritable. And he was reminding me like, all this stuff is problematic. And there are certain points where we can do something, right? Like if we talk about like our election, like voting, getting familiar with your state and local government, all those things. But at a certain point, you're losing yourself in things that you, you can't really control or you can't really do anything about, or you're losing yourself in this, this loss and this grief where again, there's not much you can do. So kind of the antidote to that is to get grounded in moments in your day, create meaning in those small moments. So whether it be, you know, uh, making a delicious breakfast, right. And really enjoying that or playing with your dog or, you know, playing Uno uh, with your roommate or your partner, which <laughs> I have been doing a lot. I'm very good <laughs> at Uno now, by the way. But yeah, grounding yourself in the, what is happening right now presently in front of me as a way of preventing yourself from getting just spiraling in these things that you can't control or, or things that feel really awful right now, but it's not going away anytime soon. That totally reminds me in the midst of, I think it was back in May or April or so, like, you know, one of the first months of being in lockdown, I was just working in clinic maximum hours and stuff. And I was just feeling so stressed and my wife would recognize it. And my communication was kind of not, not good at the time. And she just one night asked me like, do you need to see your family? And immediately I just broke down because I realized a thing that 
I was not trying to feel was just how worried I was about my parents specifically because of their age, my dad's health and all that. Like that was the my worry that I'd been holding back for the past two weeks. And immediately, as soon as she said that, I broke down and we we had recently gotten COVID tested. So we were fine. And we so we took the risk. We drove up to Northern California and I just spent two days at my parents' house. Like we didn't go out and do anything, but it's just the thing that my soul needed to know that they're okay to hug them and stuff and just have that comfort. Wow. That, that just reminded me of that. Wow. It is. So that, that, because this is another thing that with, with both depression and grief kind of looking at, if we're looking at interventions, right. Social support is number one. Um, and we can get that social support in different ways. It's, it's really hard right now um, because we don't have the typical um, things that we can do because of we're all, you know, quarantine and then kind of, you know, this, these social distancing. Um, but you, you like you, Michael, your experience of just like recognizing, like you were lacking that, that social connection to like your primary people, your secure bases. Um, and being able to connect with them and just sit in that moment of connecting with them, even though nothing has changed around you, right? Everything's still yeah. the same, but having that, that meaningful moment of connecting with them is so healing. And I think the, the, the best we can continuing to connect and lean on each other. Um, they actually say for collective grief, you know, it's you witness my grief and I witness yours. And that's, what's going to help us heal and move through it. Wow. Uh, I know you do, you work with a lot of couples and and relationships. If someone notices, you know, their partner is going through some, you know, a depression or because of this, and maybe it's not, it's out of place for them, especially I think with extroverts, like I'm a huge extrovert and not being able to see people and hang out with people. And, you know, not uh, Michael and I used to, we would see each other almost every week, just even if it was just even recording this podcast, we would see each other every week. And, you know, when this started, he was working a job where he was working like 60 plus hours weeks and he's still working that job. But I don't <laughs> think he's working as many hours, hopefully. Um, maybe he is. I don't know. But uh, if he bit. is, all right, good. Uh, 55 hours a week. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but so we he would come home and we would barely I think just everything going on. We wouldn't we didn't talk even on the phone a lot during the first like four months of this. And um, I know I got very depressed and I kind of fell into this weird depression spiral and um, anger spiral. Um, I had lost a job that I'd worked seven years to get and that I had only had for a short amount of time that I was loving. And, and so, you know, I, I was sitting in this grief and, or depression. How, how would you suggest if you, you know, someone notices their partner in that, that they, I won't say handle, that's not the right word, but like, how do they approach it? I guess, how do they approach them? How do they try to support and help them? The first step is always to just ask your partner, how can I support you? We often rush in to try to, again, fix let me as a baby therapist. I, okay, you're depressed. Let, let me fix this for you. Asking somebody, how can I support you is monumental because they might be the best ones to tell you, right? We might think, okay, like you're depressed. I'm going to do a dance in front of you and try to make you happy and try to make you laugh. And that might be the worst thing for them. Um, instead they might say, just, just be here, just sit here. There's something so powerful in just sitting with somebody 
and saying like, I see you, I'm here. Um, or, you know, or they might say like, can we, you know, can we go for a walk or can, you know, maybe let's, maybe I'll feel good if I, I watch a, a funny movie or just letting them talk to you about it without trying to fix it. And the second thing is you can be an amazing support for your partner, but you can't be their, their grief counselor. You can't be their therapist. If you have the resources or the tools and they're ready for it, you know, um, encouraging them to see somebody, you yourself may be seeing somebody for this. I mean, the, the wonderful thing that's kind of come out of this pandemic is there are so many grief and loss groups online that have happened where people can kind of, it's almost like a group therapy thing where people can kind of sit together and sit in their, sit in their grief or talk about it. Therapists. And I, I joined my, one of them myself have formed these kind of groups where people who are struggling because they've lost their job or healthcare workers can get therapy from these providers for like free or for like something like $20. Um, and they're, they're offering all this, you know, kind of telehealth resources. So, so they're out there. I mean, I know it's, it's easier said than done. You have to look, but ask how you can support them and then resist trying to fix it. And instead maybe, you know, look at some resources for where they can see a therapist or a grief counselor or join a group of people who are struggling. But, but that, that second part that you hit Katie is huge because my wife and I, you know, we also have a roommate, but we're just confined in this space together for all these months and things. And my wife started experiencing symptoms of depression, anxiety, and she had never felt those symptoms before. And I definitely initially tried to do the thing that my automatic goes try to fix. And probably that's also because my job in particular is to, I'm a patient care coordinator. The moment I hear a problem, I'm trying to connect you with the resources you need. But Oh but yeah, it's your skill. It's my skill. But had to have those conversations of like, no, I just need to be here. I just need to listen. But then when it got to a certain point to also be that voice of saying, I'm trying the best that I can to help you. But I think what you need is some professional guidance through this difficult time. And she got connected to a therapist and she has seen so much improvement. And I think even close family members who, oh, oh, but I talked to so-and-so and, you know, I'm fine. But a friend is different than a therapist. Very very different. Yeah. And it, and I mean, not to like poo poo, like, wow, how wonderful it is to, to talk to a friend and vent to a friend, you know, and for, for kind of smaller scale matters, sometimes that's, that's exactly what you needed. And, and yeah, it is. Okay. I'm good. I feel better now about that bad day I had at work. Um, but with something like this, you know, yes, talk to your friends, you know, your safe friends, right. Um, mm -hmm. tell them what you, what you actually need from them. Like, Hey, I just need you to listen right now. Or, Hey, I, mm -hmm. I actually do need you to try to problem solve this with me. But yeah, that can only go so far in, in circumstances like this, where we're experiencing just <sighs> these insane, devastating losses. What should someone look for when looking for a therapist? Well, you know, that's something when I was looking at that was kind of hard as like, well, you know, there's so many, I read so many, I went to you know, psychology today and you see so many, I work in these fields and I, I, this is my style. I do this kind of therapy and this kind of therapy and this kind of therapy and in this kind of therapy. And it's like, okay. And it's like, I don't know what that is. I don't know which one I need. And I don't know, like, I'm, I know I'm depressed. Like, I know I am grieving. Like, this is what I know. Like, what should someone look for when looking for someone to talk to? I'm so glad you asked that question. 
the number one thing that matters when it comes to therapy and therapy working is the connection you have with the therapist. They could be the best CBT therapist in the world. If you don't feel connected with them, nothing's going to happen. The relationship is the most important. Now here's, here's where the, the work comes in, right? So when you're either, yeah, like searching through psychologytoday.com, which can be incredibly overwhelming, you can look for, you know, okay, this person, I'm, I'm feeling depressed. This person special, specializes in depression, like, cool. All right. Pull together a few different therapists that you were kind of interested in, have a consult call with them. Most of them offered like a free 15, 20 minute call where you could talk with them on the phone. If you feel at all like, yeah, this feels like this, I would connect with this person. The next step is to set that first session with them. Because unfortunately in 15, 20 minutes, like that's not going to give you your answer. I'll start to give you a hint, but have that first session with that therapist, give it like one to three sessions. And that's where you determine whether this feels like a good fit for you. And if it doesn't, guess what? Just because you set that appointment with that therapist does not mean that you are committed to them. This is part of the searching process. And if it doesn't feel right, go on to the next person, right? And and in fact, do all the console calls, right? Do the console call with every single one of them. So you can start to kind of get your, gather your data. Um, But really look for the person that you feel connected to. That's so, that's so true because this is going to be a key person that's going to help you navigate this river and you need to make sure that you feel that you can trust them in this. I, I have definitely been one to just say yes to the first person that I got linked with and it wasn't necessarily great because insurance just thinks, oh, you need therapist. Here's this person. There you go. That's that's not how it works. And I think it approach it like a relationship. This is going to be someone that you are going to be sharing everything with. You want to make sure it's going to be a good fit. And then, you know, yeah, you, you obviously want a therapist who, who knows what they're doing <laughs> and is able to speak to, you know, what it is that you need. Like, don't go see a, a, a child therapist if you're an adult and you're dealing with something very specific, but that that's, that's the number one. I mean, they've done tons and tons of studies on this and that is the number one factor for people getting better is the connection and the relationship. Various guests on the podcast come on to kind of give like health hustle tips as well, like how to live your hustle in a healthy way. And I can't imagine someone more qualified than you, especially in this moment. Is there any advice you would give for someone, whether it's in 2020 or in general, to live their hustle in a healthy way? Mm. Yes. The first one that comes to mind, and it's one of my favorite things, um, learn how to have self-compassion. Um, and I'll, I'll, sh- I'll teach you the steps. Um, self-compassion is so important for just life in general. Like if we, we think about like going through loss or grief, like self-compassion, huge, um, anxiety, self-compassion, huge. Um, but you know, w- when we're hustling, like kind of like how you experience Michael, like this grinding yourself to like no end. Um, We all do that typically because there is some kind of self-critic in the back of our mind that's saying, you're not doing enough. You need to go Both Michael and I definitely have those. Yes. So do I. Yeah, we have vocalized those many times to each other. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, we're that's just how we operate as humans. Um, But this this self-critic, you know, push harder, you know, work, work longer. Um, this is how you're going to make it right. 
Um, if you don't do this, you suck. It's temporarily motivating. And that's why we, we rely on it so much. We're like, well, this actually, does, yeah, you know, this thing, this, you know, this voice is pushing me in a way, but it's not sustainable. And instead, what we should be tapping into is this self-compassion voice. Just to kind of preface this before I tell you, a lot of people think like, oh, that's letting yourself off the hook or, oh, that's telling yourself you don't have to do anything or, oh, that's, it's not true. Um, the, they've done numerous research on this. And, in, and if you don't believe me, um, look up Kristen Neff. Um, she is like the head researcher on self-compassion. She's also um, from UT, go Longhorns, um, or Hook'em Horns, I guess I should say. Um, so look up her research, but self-compassion is, it has three components. There's mindfulness. So tapping into like, oh, I am feeling, you know, burnt out or I am feeling really critical of myself, or I am feeling, you know, guilty, like I'm not doing enough. So honoring that sitting in it. The second part is common humanity. And this is, you know, recognizing that you are not alone in this feeling that there are, you know, Michael, if you do it, you can go, I'm not alone in this. I know Daniel is feeling the exact same way, right? Um, This common humanity component can be really healing and really normalizing. Um, so I'm, I'm not alone in this. And then the third part is self-kindness. And that is just the act of being kind to yourself. This is the trickiest part for people um, because that self-critic voice thinks, well, if you, that's letting yourself off the hook, don't be nice to yourself. No, you need to push harder. But instead, self-kindness goes, I can accept myself as I am. This is really tough. This hurts. I know I'm not alone in this, but I can be kind to myself as I experience this. I am doing the best I can in this moment. Um, and, and repeating that over and over to yourself, put post-it notes all over the place, especially if you're at a time in your life or, or you're just naturally that kind of person who likes to hustle and go, 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 slow down and engage in that self-compassion. Um, that's going to be much better for your confidence, for your motivation, for your sustainability. It prevents burnout. It's, it's really one of the best things that I can prescribe to anyone. The second thing uh, would be values clarification. In that hustle, you know, it's like everything we just talked about at the beginning of this, right? Where we're just going, going, going. And then we're, you know, we're feeling burnt out. We're feeling hopeless. We're feeling unhappy. Um, Because the thing, the difference between values and goals is when you're living according to your values, you can feel successful and good now presently. It's about enjoying the journey versus when we're goal focused with most of us are, um, especially, you know, hustlers, we're like, ah, I'm going to be happy when I get to this. Um, that's a recipe for burnout. Mm-hmm. That's a recipe for kind of like chronic disappointment, really, because it, guess what? As soon as you reach that goal, you're going to have another goal and you're not even going to enjoy the, the happiness you felt with that goal. Um, so d- do some values clarification. Um, I recommend the happiness trap by Russ Harris. Um, It's a fantastic book for that. And then the third thing is recognize your wins. So every single little win, honor it, label it, sit with it, and just kind of like bask in the glory of this win. And I'm telling you, the win could be, I got up and I took a shower today. Yes! (laughs) 
Breakfast Club freeze frame. <laughs> hey, but, hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I really hope that when this podcast ends, you can like play it off with that music. Please. Oh, that would oh, be. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. I don't know if you can see this. It's backwards, but it says, "What are your two, uh, win? Your two biggest, smallest, or biggest wins? Most week? recent? Yes. Yeah. Most recent wins? Yeah. We. Uh, that's that is a main value of Hollywood Hustle podcast is celebrating I'm- wins, big and small good because i when we're like hustlers or like achievers or like wow always going to the next thing like we don't celebrate our wins enough um we don't have enough gratitude and you know what ironically enough as i'm saying this recognizing the wins is also really a good skill for managing loss and grief Mm. um the wins that you got through your day um so you know i got out out of bed and I made breakfast or I you know I worked I was able to concentrate on this thing for 10 minutes yeah that's a win um I got got out of bed I got out of bed (laughs) yeah I got up and I put on pants yeah and I I can't say this enough is that this is not going to make you soft it's not going to make you go like oh well that's my win okay so I'm going to get back on the couch and I'm going to watch tv no it motivates you. It sets you up better to continue going. Thank you so much for that. Those are incredible prescriptions to apply to all, all of our lives. And, you know, thankful that Daniel and I have already incorporated some of those uh, into the, the community of this podcast. But I think even more so, just this is a time now more than ever to, you know, do some value rechecking and to you know, celebrate yourself wins. And, but to, again, the reminder of mindfulness, like understand and check in with yourself to see how you're feeling, whether it's physically or mentally, it's, it's all just so important. Yeah, it is. And I think it's the thing that we try to rush through most often in this. Yeah. Don't rush. So, so caring from that, speaking of wins, Katie, what are your two or three most recent wins this week? Small or big? We, Michael and I, would love to celebrate them. <laughs> well, hopefully. I had some great wins this week. I had some great wins as a therapist and then some great wins as um, a co-founder of, of Habit Better. So as a therapist, I there's it's so joyful to witness when your client hits some kind of breakthrough or, or has an aha moment. And I had like three or four clients have these wonderful aha moments with their partner, with themselves. Um, it's, I can't tell you the feeling you get when you get off that session. You're like, yes, <laughs> they got yeah, there. Yeah, they so did that it. they did yeah. it. And it's so cool to witness that. I can't even tell That's you. It's a, a major transformation to witness. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. And sometimes it's like, it's so hard because you might objectively see this thing this certain way, but mm-hmm. if you feed it to them, it's not going to hit the same way. So you have to kind of like leave them. And then when they are able to articulate that, it's like, I have been waiting for you to realize <laughs> that for five sessions. <laughs> we did right? it. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. So that well, it's, was, it's, it's running down the football field and finally getting that touchdown. Yes. It's yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then my second win, um, was with habit better. We announced, um, officially that we are having an app 
um, a Habit Better app released at the end of this year and it's coming together and I got to see what the, the pages are going to look like and the functionality of it. And this has been a long time coming and it's finally here and that's a major win. Can you quickly plug Habit Better a bit? Just like let listeners know and like, uh, you know, where they may be able to download this app soon. Yes. Well, so the, to start, you can follow our Instagram. It's just have it better. Go there. And we're, we're putting out a lot of information as to why this app is important, why we, why we believe in it so much, but essentially we are training your brain to be able to achieve your goals. Um, and we do that through habits. And our, our analogy is your goals are the destination. They're where you want to get to, but habits are the vehicle that are going to get you there. And we help you build your specific vehicle because you don't, you don't, you know, if you're going to be going over Rocky mountains and roads and rivers, let's build you a Jeep. Don't look at the person who's driving their sports car, who just has a straight shot, um, which is the thing that we often do. We look at other people and we go like, oh, they seem successful. I'll just adopt all the things that they do. Um, which yeah, there are some keystone habits that are really good for all of us, but we wanted to create a program where we help you build your specific vehicle so that you can achieve your goals. And really our main goal is to help, you know, a million people find habitual happiness. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've, I've followed been taking, <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, I've been doing one of their courses uh, on, on stress and anxiety that Katie uh, leads through some video courses. And there's always a journaling aspect to it because that is a main focus of uh, Habit Better. And it's, it's super insightful and it's so help, it's helpful because I think we talked about mental health in a previous episode where, you know, just giving yourself approval and the okay to sit in emotions. And like you said, like sitting in depression and letting yourself be there. And I think, especially with like stress, like sitting with why, why do I feel this way? Why, why do I react or how do I react to this stimulus or the stimuli? And then once you figure that, they're asking your question, why do I react like that? And, and not just going, well, I react because I'm angry. Well, okay. But what's deeper than that? Like, what is it about? Cause anger, I always, I always say anger is a second tier emotion. It's the reaction to something else. And so what is the thing that that triggers the anger? Um, And it's not the stress. There's something deeper than that. And so um, it's very helpful and their, their videos are great and they're really strong. They, they will teach you great habit routines and how to build a habit, which I have found super helpful during this whole uh, uh, quarantine and, and, and losing my kind of feeling like I've lost my purpose and, and things like that. So I, I highly endorse, uh, their program and, and them. Um, and if you want to follow Katie, she's connect, uh, connection with Katie, uh, all one word on, on Instagram. She posts amazing tips for relationships, uh, which I have found very helpful with my relationship and how I work with my wife. Um, there's one that you put out. I can't remember what it was, but it, it like re- it really hit a nose, like like hit like right on. I was like, oh, I see myself in this thing. And then, oh no, <laughs> oh no, I did um, that. Oh, oh no. no, that's that that is that is me. Um, but uh, definitely follow her. Her stories are always incredibly motivational and helpful, and so I highly suggest her. And if she has openings, definitely try to get a consultation with her because she is. Uh, just super, such a super person. So I, 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 I endorse Katie for your therapist president. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. I am, I am holding my body tight. I am turning red. <laughs> I, 
Well, Katie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And you're just, you're like I said, you're such a sweet person. And, and I know that your patients are just lucky to have you because I'm sure you feel them, you understand them, you 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 can connect with them on such a deep level. And, uh, and I just appreciate you coming on this morning to talk to us. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me. This has been such a fun conversation to have. And it's really felt like that. It's just felt like a fun conversation with friends. And, you know, now that you've invited me on here and I've gotten a taste of this, you guys, I'm, I, I expect to be your guest for all of our <laughs> podcasts here. So you guys have created a monster. <laughs> Michael, we're gonna have to beat away our guests with sticks. I don't know what's happening. Uh, we, we, we will prescribe are. them self-compassion and get them connected with Katie. The pro- yes. the pro- we'll, I'll, uh, I'll help I'll, heal them. We'll, we'll connect you with Michael Kostroff. You guys can start a podcast together. And uh, beautiful. She doesn't understand that reference, but she I don't. But I'm like pretending reference. like I do. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm in on yeah, the yeah, joke. Totally, totally understand. Yeah, you understand it once those episodes are out. Uh, thank you again, Katie. We truly appreciate it, and. Uh, uh, we, we definitely would love to have you back on again. I'll be uh, there. Definitely. Welcome back, guys. This is Michael for a quick outro discussion. I have to say that this was one of my favorite interviews we've had here at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. And I know I have a lot of favorite interviews, but this one I felt was truly universal to anyone on their journey as we're all going through this moment together. In many ways, I feel like this episode would be a great pairing with episodes 46 and 47 with Trevor Algott, who dealt similarly with questions of what success and failure really mean to one's journey. And in those episodes, Trevor spoke about following a specific guidepost as he navigated his life's purpose. And in today's conversation, Katie spoke about the same thing with the concept of value clarification. 2020 has given us all time to think about what truly matters most to us. We would love to hear from you, our League of Hustle, and know what values are guiding you as we transition to a new year. How have your values changed over the course of the year? Has there been any opportunities that have manifested themselves this year that has changed your hustle? How have you and your hustle grown, either through 2020 or taking even a step back further and seeing how the larger roller coaster of the Hollywood hustle has changed for you? please email us your responses to hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com and we will share them in our next episode, which will be our finale of 2020. You can also tag us or send us a direct message on social media. We are at Hollywood Hustle Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and we are at LA Hustlecast on Twitter. You can also send us a voice message if you listen to us on Anchor FM. Just find us on that podcast app and you can record and send us a message directly through the app. Daniel and I will be joined by members of Team Hustle and we'd love for you to reach out and rep the League of Hustle. Now, if you're new to Hollywood Hustle podcast, first of all, welcome. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you did, subscribe to this podcast and check out our catalog of guests to help add some inspiration to your journey. As always, we'd appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review on our Apple podcast page so we can continue to grow and reach more awesome listeners such as yourself. If you want to learn more about today's guest, Katie Miles, check out our episode notes for the links for her therapy website, as well as how to learn more about Habit Better, which is about to release its new app very soon. So get on that wait list, guys. All right. Now, I promised in the intro I'd share some really awesome content with you guys. Like many of you, Daniel and I have been communicating a lot this year via Zoom. 
It's actually how we've recorded all of our interviews during this mini-season. Well, as Daniel was waiting for me to log on to the Zoom call for Katie's interview, it seems that inspiration struck Daniel in the virtual waiting room, and he decided to come up with this beautiful song, which I am calling Alone in Quarantine. Now, I've added a layer of an instrumental track by bensound.com underneath his vocals. Daniel was just singing this a cappella in the <laughs> Zoom, so I figured I'll add a little layer of music, uh, but I think it actually just randomly works in a very weird, strange way, and it adds to the awesomeness. So, without further ado, I present to you Lonely Beard, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Daniel Tuttle. Take it away, brother. Sitting here, waiting to zoom. My where are you? I'm lonely. Quarantine. But got my mic on Now I'm waiting here While I sing the song Oh my god Where are you? I'm sitting here On the Zoom All alone Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm waiting here All alone in Quarantine Gonna talk about stuff with Katie Miles But I'm sitting here Yeah, I'm waiting a while So I'm here to talk But not to myself Now I'm sitting here Waiting on the Zoom Do you know what I mean? I'm all alone in quarantine Alone in quarantine Gonna talk about stuff Say keep up the hustle But now I'm waiting It's kinda kerfuffle Yeah, I'm waiting here for the Zoom, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm all alone in quarantine. I'm waiting here. I said I'm waiting here. Got Hindenburg on and my ring light too. But I'm still sitting here and I'm missing you. Oh, Michael. Where are you? Setting your stuff up in a closet I love you so much it hurts me Stop it, Michael I'm alone Yeah, I'm sitting here on this Zoom Waiting for you, you know what I mean I'm all alone In quarantine, everybody 
Yeah, I'm sitting here waiting for the Zoom. Do you know what I mean? I'm all alone in quarantine. Yeah, Michael. I'm waiting here. So beautiful. I was about to say bonus audio at the end or something would be. That's incredible. The place to put it. That will at some point appear on the show. Hollywood Hustle Podcast was created by Daniel Tuttle and Michael Lutheran. Daniel Tuttle is our host and executive producer. Michael Lutheran is our co-host and produced this episode. Kate Cassidy is our social media coordinator. Special thanks to Eric Waldman. For more information about this show or to make a financial contribution to the production of this show, please visit hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. 